Thank you so much, Ivy. Why don't we spend just a few moments in prayer? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you so much. Thank you, Jesus, that you are, are alive from the dead and that you are present with us by your Holy Spirit and that you make us children of God along with you, sons and daughters. Thank you, Father, that heaven is our home and that today is one day closer to that day. And Lord, thank you that you've given us copies of your word. We pray that as we open your word this morning, you would help us to understand and to see the greatness and glory of Jesus. And the Lord, as we leave here today, that we would have Jesus on our lips and, and the spirit in our hearts. Lord, quickness in our step and, and joy in our eyes as we seek to live as followers of Christ should. Lord, the power for that isn't in us. It, it has to come from your Spirit. And so, Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit on your church. And Father, we give you thanks, asking that you would do more than we could ask or imagine. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're walking through the book of 1 Timothy, and this morning we come to a new chapter, 1 Timothy chapter 4. I'm going to read for us from 1 Timothy 4, the first five verses, and that's what we're going to study this morning. Listen, if you have a copy of God's Word, turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy and follow along with me. And I just, I encourage you, bring a Bible with you on Sunday morning. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screen. But listen, this is the Word of God. It's inspired. It's inerrant. It's infallible. It's sufficient. It's our only rule for faith and practice. The Spirit explicitly says that in later times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. By means of the hypocrisy of liars, seared in their own conscience, as with a branding iron, men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude. For it is sanctified by the means of the word of God and prayer. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Over the last several weeks, we've, we've seen four different people come to faith in Christ through your witnessing. And last week, we saw three people come to faith in Christ and, and three new evangelists People who led someone to faith in Christ for the first time this year. And there's nothing more exciting than seeing people come to faith in Christ. There's nothing that brings greater joy to my heart than, than having the privilege of sharing the good news and, and seeing people be brought from death to life. There's nothing more heartbreaking than seeing people 
who seemed to have come into a, a real encounter with Jesus, who, who seemed to have made a real profession of faith, go back on that faith and fall away from Jesus and, and stop worshiping him and, and stop gathering with other Christians and, and then even some who, who then begin to work intentionally against the church and against the truth to, to, to encourage and, and ask others to join them in their falling away. Greatest joy, the greatest sadness. And the Apostle Paul deals with the issue of, of what does it mean that some who, who make a good start in following Jesus don't keep going? What does it mean that, that some fall away? This morning, we're going to learn that deconstruction, faith deconstruction, is nothing new. Faith deconstruction has become somewhat of a, a popular phrase in our culture today. It's predominantly just in the West that faith deconstruction is a thing. But faith deconstruction is popular amongst those who, who think they're wiser than God and who have decided to publicly and joyfully renounce their faith. And, and rather than, than doing what the Bible says, which is tell the world about Jesus, faith deconstructors, faith deconstructors tell the world about themselves and their faith deconstruction, and they invite others to join them. And Paul is going to help us understand that faith deconstruction is nothing new. Jesus, in fact, prepared his disciples for this reality. In Matthew chapter 13, he tells a parable. It's really the parable of parables. It helps us understand this issue that we're going to deal with this morning. Matthew chapter 13. Listen to Jesus' first parable. He spoke many to the things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, because they had no depth of soil. When the sun had risen, they were scorched, because they had no root. They withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out, and others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. So Jesus taught that, that not all who receive the word keep going, but that some... Some receive the word in good soil and they bear a crop 30, 60, 100 fold. My hope and prayer for, for all of us is that we would be amongst those who the seed falls in good soil and bears a crop, bears fruit in our lives. But Jesus, later on, as he 
is moving toward the time when he would go to the cross. Later on in his Olivet Discourse, as he was preparing his disciples in the last week of his life, he gives another important teaching on this question of why do some fall away? It's in Matthew chapter 24. At that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. Because, of lawless, because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. Faith deconstruction was nothing new to Paul. Jesus had prepared his disciples and the apostles for this eventuality, and, and he had taught Paul by the Spirit to understand what was happening with these false teachers. And faith deconstruction is nothing new for us. So church, I don't want you to be caught off guard by what we see in, in some falling away. But I want you to be equipped with the Bible to understand why does faith deconstruction happen and how we can avoid it. Now, as you track with me this morning, I want your ears to be looking for, for three illustrations that I'm going to share with you this morning. A fruit tree, a well, and bookends. Okay, so you pay attention. Be listening for those three illustrations. They're coming. Fruit tree, well, bookends. You with me? All right. Now, Paul says in 1 Timothy 4, that the Spirit explicitly says that in later times, some will fall away from the faith. So what's happened with these men? The fruit tree. Imagine that you're a farmer and you have a grove full of fruit trees. And it's harvest time. It's time to, to go out and, and harvest the fruit from your fruit trees and take them to market. But when you get to your grove, you discover that while you have much good fruit to harvest, some fruit, some fruit ripened too early and has fallen to the ground. And if you're a good farmer, you invest your time in harvesting the good ripe fruit from your trees and taking them to the market to earn a profit. But the fruit that has fallen away, the fruit that's fallen away is good for nothing. It can't be sold, it can't be eaten, and it's ignored by the farmer. And Paul says that just like on that grow, in that grove of fruit trees, there are some who have fallen away. The Greek word is apostasize. Maybe you've heard of, of apostasy. Those who reject the truth, those who reject sound doctrine, those who reject Jesus Christ, they apostatize. They fall away. They've come up. They've bloomed. They've blossomed. Their, their fruit has sprung. But too soon, they fall away. They fall to the ground. And, and at the harvest, 
they're ignored. They, they don't have a part. Now, what's happened? Now, we could say that these were people who at one time were saved but have lost their salvation. Would that be true? Well, Philippians 1.6 says this, He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. You know what gets me out of bed on Monday mornings? It's the confident certainty that he who began a good work in you and me will bring it to completion. You see, the the goal is not for us to, to work really hard, but to let God be at work in us. Our hope our certainty, the reason why we we persevere through all the difficulties of this life is because those who are saved, God says, I will finish the work I began in you. So it can't be that these people were saved but have lost their salvation because those whom God saves, he finishes his work. So here's the second possibility that fruit that's fallen to the ground too soon, then maybe they were saved and they will be saved. But at the present time, they've fallen away. But at one time in the future, they will be restored. An example of this would be Luke 22. In the life of the apostle Peter, Jesus says to Peter, Just before Jesus goes to the cross, Jesus helps Peter understand, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. So there are some who, for a time, may have doubts. The circumstances of their life may become so extreme that they begin to question the love of the Father and the grace of the Son. They begin to doubt the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And they're tempted to to fall away from their faith. But Jesus says that there will be some who at one time, have tasted the good fruit of Jesus. They fall away, but then Jesus says, I am going to pray for you, Peter, and I'm going to bring you back. So it could be that these men who have fallen away will sometime in the, in the future be brought back. And What happens when a person is brought back into faith in Christ? Well, Jesus tells Peter, that the person who's brought back into faith in Christ through repentance is then strengthened and able to strengthen his brothers. So it could be that these men are like Peter. And I think the most likely choice is that these men were never saved. They, They gave the appearance of being saved, but like the seeds sown on the path or amongst the thorns, 
When either circumstances or the attacks of the enemy come, it snatches away the seed of the word and they're not able to bear fruit. In 1 John chapter, uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 19, John teaches that there are some like this. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us, but they went out so that it would be shown that they are not of us. Now, the doctrine behind all of these descriptions is the doctrine of the visible and the invisible church. I want to teach you the doctrine, and then I want to help you see how important it is. Now picture the church as two boxes. The larger box is the visible church. The larger box is the visible church. And then, then on the inside is the invisible church. The smaller box represents the invisible church, those who are truly saved, and those who have the gift of eternal life through faith in Christ. So the larger box is the visible church. And at one time, these men in Ephesus were a part of the visible church. So too with, with the men described by Jesus, and so too the men that John describes. They were a part of the visible church. But they were never a part of the invisible church. Now, why is this doctrine important to you on a Monday? Well, let me tell you. Are you a Christian? There's so many ways that I hear people answer that question. Are you a Christian? Some people answer that question and they say, well, of course I'm a Christian. I'm American, aren't I? That doesn't make you a Christian. In places, in parts of this country, it may make you a part of the visible church, but it doesn't make you a Christian. Are you a Christian? Well, I was baptized. Baptism is a good thing. It's a, it's a part of how one becomes a part of the visible church, but it doesn't make you a Christian. Are you a Christian? Well, I've had this experience. Ah, Experiences are good, but experiences are, are just a part of what happens in the visible church. It doesn't make you a Christian. Are you a Christian? Well, I, I, I'm a follower of this particular school of theology, and that's good. It's a part of the visible church, but it doesn't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is that you are joined to Christ. That you're a part of the invisible church. That you're born again by the Holy Spirit. And you're joined to Jesus so that in life or death, you are not your own, but you belong, body and soul, to your loving Savior, Jesus Christ. And when is this doctrine most important? It's most important. It's most important when you fail. 
when you blow it as a parent or a spouse or a friend. When you blow it and you're tempted to go back and try harder, you'll say things like this. Man, I've just been such a lousy Christian. I really need to try harder. I need to be in church more. That'd be a good thing. But being in church is just being in the visible church. It doesn't mean you're a Christian. What you need when you fail is not to try harder. What you need when you fail is to know that Christ has done it all for you. That's grace. And that's the thing that will enable you to go from where you began with Christ all the way to the end, enduring to the end, as Jesus said we must. Everyone who's joined to Christ, living in union with Christ, will persevere to the end. They will be kept in Christ, for Christ, and with Christ. That is the value of this doctrine. That it's not up to you, but it's up to Christ. Isn't that good news? That the pressure's off? That's good. We need it. Because we're pressured all the time to trust in something other than Jesus. So, fruit tree. Now, verse 2 of chapter 4 of 1 Timothy Paul goes on and he says of these men, they've fallen away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. Paul is not nice about this. Men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God created to be gratefully shared by those who believe and know the truth. Well, the well. What these false teachers are doing is the false teachers are trying to build a wall around the visible church. They're protecting their turf. The turf that they've set out for their own is the visible church. And they say, let's build a wall of safety around the visible church. And our wall of safety is going to be obedience to these external regulations regarding marriage and food. But the gospel... The gospel is a well. The gospel is Jesus Christ sitting in the center of the invisible church and inviting all to come and drink from him. The gospel is living water. These false teachers, they're building up walls. And in the church, we should tear down walls and dig wells. In Australia, in Australia, there's so much land in the interior of Australia that's used for cattle and farming. But the, the ranches are so vast in Australia that they have no chance of, of building fences 
far enough to cover the land where their cattle graze. So in Australia, the farmers, they don't build fences. They dig wells. They dig wells and their, their cattle, they never wander far from the well. And so they don't need a fence. And in the church of Jesus Christ, we don't build fences, we dig wells. In our parenting, don't build fences. Dig wells of the gospel. Dig wells of the gospel and your children will come and they'll drink from the living water of Jesus. Build a wall, they'll climb over it, they'll crush their way through it, they'll dig their way under it. There's never been a fence anywhere in my life that I haven't tried to jump over, dig under, or crash through. Am I the only one? But Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is the most satisfying thing that I've ever tasted in my life. And when I met Jesus Christ, oh, I failed. Time without number. I've, I've done so many things that I regret in the years that I've been following Jesus, but you know what? The living water of the gospel is so true, so refreshing, so good, that I always come back. I always come back to Jesus. You see, we don't build walls forbidding marriage or outlining all the foods that are kosher for us to eat in the church. No, we dig, we dig wells. We dig wells of the gospel. We dig wells. and We invite people to come and drink. Drink from Jesus. So, fruit trees... Wells and bookends. If it's true that the gospel is a well that we come to, then, then the action step that we should take every single day of our life is to spend time with Jesus in the word and prayer. To spend time with Jesus in the word and prayer. But the last illustration is this. Bookends. Now we've told you many times that a disciple is a follower of Jesus. And that a disciple has three great loves. A disciple, a follower of Jesus, falls more and more in love with Jesus. And that a disciple is someone who's enabled by the Holy Spirit to fall more and more in love with one another in the church. And that a disciple, a follower of Jesus, loves the lost. They want nothing more than, than people to come and, and drink from the well that's Christ. So a disciple has three great loves. Now, what happens in the Christian life if, if something comes and begins to shake that life? Isn't it prone to fall over? Of course it is. That's why we're given the bookends. Now, in this passage, did you notice how verse 1 began? And I just want to, you know, look, this says ABC Store Hawaii. Okay, this isn't the ABC Store from South Carolina, okay? You with me? They, they don't sell liquor at the ABC Store in Hawaii. 
All right, bookends. That'd be a wall, though, so, okay. All right, bookends. Verse 1, what does it say? The Spirit. So the first bookend that God gives is the Spirit. And then verse 5, what does it say? Sanctified by the Word and prayer. So God has made the Christian life to be a life of following Jesus in the three great loves of a disciple. Jesus, one another, and the lost. But he's given the Spirit, the Word, and prayer as bookends to hold our life together. That it's grace. It's the Gospel. It's the Spirit. Philippians 1.6, He who began a good work in you, how did He begin it? He began it with the Spirit. How does He continue it? He continues it by the Word and by prayer. And so the rhythm of the Christian life, the rhythm of the Christian life is, is to come back to Jesus again and again and again. To come to Jesus. Jesus said on the great day of the feast in John chapter 7, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. For just, and he who believes in me, just as the scripture says, rivers of living water shall flow through him. And then John says, by this, Jesus was, was referring to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the living water that we drink. And when we drink the living water of the Spirit, we say, oh, that tastes like Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit loves to make Jesus real to us. And then we come to the Word. And the Spirit guides us in all truth. And on every page of the Word, the Scriptures, we see who? Jesus. And when we read the Word, we pray the Word. And this is the drivetrain of the Christian life. The Holy Spirit given in answer to prayer. So prayer, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, power to live as a follower of Christ. Prayer, Spirit, Jesus, power, which then comes back, prayer. This is the drivetrain of the Christian life. This is how it's lived. It's lived in the power of the Word and prayer in the power of the Holy Spirit. So how do we abide? How do we do it? We spend time with Jesus in the Word and prayer. Our lives are, are set apart by the presence of Christ in us. Who spends time with Jesus? Those who know how much they need Him. Those who know how much they need Him. Those who know that Jesus has living water. Just as Jesus did with the woman at the well in Samaria, Jesus told her the bad news. You know, you're, you're a real mess. But he told her the good news. I'm a good Savior. Come and drink the living water I'll give you. Jesus would go to the cross, and on the cross, God would take all our sin and put it on Jesus and punish him in our place. 
When we open the Bible and we read the scripture, we see the gospel played out again and again and again. We see how much we need Jesus and how much Jesus loves us. Listen, if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, my invitation to you is is to come and spend time with Jesus to drink from living water with him and to trust him for eternal life as he's offered in the gospel. You never have, won't you? Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, do you know what I invite you to? Spend time with Jesus. To come to the living water. To come to the well again and again and again. What have we learned? The fruit tree, some fall away. Jesus said there would be some who fall away. The well, the well is Jesus. Don't waste time building walls. They will not work. Come to the well. Dig wells for yourself and for your families. The book ends. Oh, the spirit, the word and prayer. Enabling us to live as followers of Christ. Falling more and more in love with Jesus one another, and the lost. It's all of grace. Let's pray. Jesus, oh, how we need you. I pray. I pray that you'd open cold, stony hearts this morning. In, In the Old Testament, you brought water from a rock. Lord, our hearts are stony until your Holy Spirit brings water from them, living water. And we're enabled to be born again of your spirit. So if you're here this morning and you're sensing the the trickle of of the water from your stony heart, won't you say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I admit that, that I've sinned against you in many ways and I'm sorry. Jesus, I believe you... You died on the cross and rose from the dead for my sin. Jesus, come into my life as Savior and Lord. Help me become the person you want me to be. Jesus, we get it wrong so many times. We we try to build walls to, to keep people out or to keep people in. And you say, Dig a well. Drink from living water and invite people freely to come and drink from him too. So Lord, by your Holy Spirit, by your word and prayer, would you make us a holy people, a people who are drinking from the water each day. We go out from this place to make a big deal about you, Jesus, everywhere we go. We pray in your name. Amen.